An artist who does cover songs might be doing his original songs as well. But the thing is, originals should not be ignored. It's a different thing when an artist wants to stay as a cover artist, but as a musician, there should be originality. This is a quote from Bigash Bigel uh, from the Nepalese metal band Underside. I'm Marine Larbonne, your host. This is Flashback, the audio podcast where we talk about uh, cover songs, sample songs, and their original. And the topic of this episode today is cover songs that have become so popular that they erased in our collective knowledge the original song. Let me give you an example. If I tell you all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray, you should be telling me, well, yeah, the winter is coming, but uh, also this is a song from the Mamas and the Papas. And in the music quiz, you would be right. If you write the Mamas and the Papas, you will get the point for that for that question. Yet, the original recording of um, California Dreaming is not by the Mamas and the Papas, but by Barry Maguire. Okay, this is a bit of a technicality, because as a matter of fact, John Phillips and Mitchell Phillips, the, the founding members of Mamas and the Papas, did write the song California Dreaming uh, in 1963. It's just that they didn't have the means to record uh, that song in the studio. They didn't have a producer. They didn't have uh, the money uh, to go in the studio. So when Barry Maguire was looking to... Uh, implement his second solo album called uh, This Precious Time, he invites uh, the, the newly founded band Mamas and the Papas in the studio to record it with him uh, and uh, the Mamas and the Papas do the background uh, chorus uh, in the song. The backup singers are the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, and then the, the, the producer of um, Barry Maguire, Lou Alder, hears the Mamas and the Papas in the studio and say like, oh, we should give them a chance too. So he decided after the recording to record a separate version with just the Mamas and the Papas. And that is the version that will be known as the original from there on because it will become so much more popular than Barry Maguire's version. But the reality of it is that Barry Maguire's version is officially the original version of California Dreaming because it was released a few months before the Mamas and the Papas version. Let's listen to both those songs, first the Mamas and the Papas as a cover song and then Barry Maguire's as original and we'll have a little debrief afterwards. the original.
So the, the two songs are very uh, close to each other. You can hear that it's um, the, the same uh, instrumental part that you use in the background, yet there is a, a few differences. The first one would be the solo. You heard uh, that the Barry Maguire version have a harmonica solo, which is not that nice. And I believe that the, the version that Mamas and the Papas did with the flute solo was uh, much nicer and fit more with the song. The second thing is that Barry Maguire's voice is quite deep, so when uh, Danny Dorothy uh, sings it, he sings it in higher, uh, octave higher. Also, there is uh, something interesting in the lyrics, a misconception when they walk in the church. Uh, you can hear the, the, the lyric, I got down in my on my knees, and people quite often hear the, the sentence after that being, uh, I began to pray when uh, what is actually said in the text is I pretend to, to pray. Uh, what is interesting about that and why I'm bringing it up is because originally it was written as I began to pray. And when uh, so Michelle Phillips writes that uh, lyric, he, her husband John is angry. He doesn't like the, the, the lyrics I began to pray, but he has nothing better to uh, propose. When they do some um, repetition together, the, the last member of the Mamas and the Papas that we didn't talk about, uh, Mama Cass Elliot, uh, she hears pretend to pray and say like, oh, did you say pretend to pray or began? And then they all agree that pretend to pray was a much better uh, lyric because it brings the song to another level. It's it's, uh, And by the way, the, 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 the writing of that uh, lyric is literal. It happened to Michelle and John Phillips. They were in New York, they were nostalgic of uh, their home in California, and uh, Michelle literally uh, is looking for shelter in a church, uh, and John refused to enter, uh, so it was already controversial uh, during the writing. This is the first charted song for the Mamas and the Papas, and the last charted song for Barry Maguire. Uh, I'm not going to talk as much on each uh, song tonight, it's just that this one I think was an interesting story. Uh, the next song we're going to talk about though is from one of my favorite punk band uh, and it's The Clash. Uh, I know The Clash compose quite often, they're instrumental, but sometimes they do covers and uh, the song I Fought the Law. Uh, was actually a, a cover from the band The Crickets. So let's listen to both those songs and we'll debrief afterwards. Here is the original.
love the version of the Clash. Uh, they get it how to do a proper cover, they bring something new to it. The original song uh, is written uh, by Sonny Curtis uh, in uh, 59 or something like that and it's uh, recorded and released in the 60s. Uh, there is another cover song, uh, cover of that song by uh, Bobby Fuller's that will be released in 66 that will become bring the song a bit more uh, popularity. Uh, and in 1978, uh, Joe Strummer, the singer of The Clash, and uh, Mike Jones, the guitarist of The Clash, uh, traveled to San Francisco in the Automat studio. Here, uh, the, the Bobby Fuller's version on the uh, jukebox. And in 79, they record uh, their version of that song and they bring the punk vibe to it and uh, the lyrics fits perfectly, the, the, the punk attitude. Um, and uh, they release it and it becomes uh, the, the one of the main hit of their second studio album. And also the song that will open for them, the American market, which was the goal of their trip to San Francisco, is to see how they can open the American market to the, the British uh, punk vibe. Now for our next song, If I Tell You Red Red Wine. Uh, you should be telling me, well, that's UB40, because that's the version that everybody knows. But in actuality, the, the original was written by Neil Diamond. So let's listen to both those songs and we'll debrief after. And 
Diamond's version uh, is released in his second album in 1967, the the album Just For You. Uh, It doesn't get that popular, it it rates at 62, I believe, on the Billboard 100, Um, and it becomes a little bit forgotten through time. Uh, In 82, the the, um, uh, UB40, they are releasing their third album, and they decide to do an album only of covers. Uh, the, hence the, the name of their album, uh, Labor of Love. Um, so they are he- looking for a song to, uh, to include uh, in that album, uh, and they heard a version of Red Red Wine by Tony Tribe. Uh, he's a Jamaican-born uh, singer that lives in the UK, and he did an, a version of Neil Diamond's song. The thing is that UB40 is not aware that the original is Neil Diamond until they release it. Um, it will uh, rate at number one on the UK charts, uh, but it will not become an international hit. Uh, though in 1987, I believe, they uh, go perform that song at uh, the 70th birthday of Nelson Mandela. There is a big show organized and they uh, sing that song and then the American audience become aware of it and it's re-released in 1988 and then it becomes a number one on the Billboard 100 and it becomes all over the world a big major hit. That's why uh, uh, Neil Diamond, when hearing that song, uh, says that uh, it's one of the rare uh, songs that he wrote and that he preferred the cover. And actually, he even plays with a reggae uh, syncope rhythm uh, on some of his show because he uh, likes the version of UB40 so much. For our next song tonight, we're going to talk about a cover and an original that plays in similar genres. Uh, I want to talk about the song Baby I Love You Way uh, by Big Mountain, released in 1994 uh, and that became such an international hit. That song is um, an original by Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton released it in 1975 in his first album and it didn't have at all the same success internationally. It had some success in the US but not internationally. So uh, we're gonna listen to both those songs starting by Big Mountain's version and uh, then we'll debrief after. Ooh, baby, I love your way Every day, yeah, yeah Ooh, baby, I love your way Every day Shadows grow so long Before my eyes And they're moving Across the bay
And here is the original. I wanna tell you I love your way, every way. 
I think that both versions of this song are really interesting and uh, again uh, tonight we have originals that always bring something new and that are always more popular than the original but I think that it, there is a gain to look back into the original too and for both Big Mountain and Peter Frampton the song Baby I Love You Way was the peak of their career now for our next song let's move into something a little bit more rock and roll uh, it's a song from Lenny Kravitz, uh, American Woman. I was convinced when I heard that song that it was Lenny Kravitz that composed and wrote the song. Turns out it's the band The Guess Who in the 1970s. It's a rock band from Canada. And uh, the story of the composition of that song is a little bit unusual. So I will let the guitarist of the band, Randy Bachman, explain what happened. We were headed for a gig in the States and decided not to go because they tried to draft us crossing the border. So we decided to come back to Canada and turn in our green cards, which meant we could work in the States, also meant they could draft us, put us in uniform and send us to Vietnam. And came back to Canada and I called the agent and said, Sir Randy Backman, uh, do you have any gigs around Toronto? And the agent said, like, when? And I said, tonight. This was a Saturday. I said, we, we can't get back to Winnipeg. And he said, amazingly enough, we have a cancellation by Little Caesar and the consuls, you might remember them. They've got a sore throat, and the gigs tonight, it's in Kitchener-Waterloo in a Greenbrier's uh, curling rink or something. I said, great, we'll take it. So we show up there, and it's true, a curling rink, true, true to form a curling rink with ice, and they put plywood down on the floor. You've been to these dances. Classy. And you wear your rubber boots and your toque, and you come to the dance, and the band's playing. Well, while we were playing in the middle of that set, I broke a string. I had one guitar. And Burton Cummings said, we're going to take a break while Randy changes the string. Well, I didn't have a tech or a spare guitar, so I had to change the string on this Les Paul. I didn't even have a tuner. So I knelt down on stage in front of Burton's that little electric piano mm -hmm. and played an E and a B, and I'm tuning up my guitar. And as I'm tuning the guitar, I'm dong, 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 trying to tune to a chord. I start to go, bum, bum, dong, 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 And I start that riff. It just came to you. Yes. You'd never heard it well, anywhere before. Well, basically, I'm tuning the guitar. So it's, yeah. it's an E with a B on it. So I'm tuning that, and then I hit the D. and I'm, So I'm tuning my guitar to this, and suddenly I start to play it to a rhythm. And the whole audience who's now chatting and having popcorn, and there's records playing in the background, their whole head snaps as, as I'm on stage and I go, oh, oh, this is, this is a moment. I'm being given this by the god of riffs, our songs. <laughs> and I start to play it. And I stand up now and I'm playing this riff. And then I look in the audience and I call the drummer on stage, Gary Peterson, because we're in a break, 10 or 15 minute break. He comes, he starts playing. Jim Cale comes and I can see the back of the arena. Burton Cummings is way in the back and he's talking to a guy outside. And finally he runs on stage saying, I thought we're taking a break. And I said, sing something. I want to remember this, this riff, play something. So he played a flute solo, a harmonica solo, a piano solo. And I yelled, sing anything. Because when you sing words to a musical thing, it helps you remember. Like Paul McCartney called, uh, yesterday was called Scrambled Eggs. Hmm. And that's the way he remembered. Scrambled eggs. That's what he remembered yesterday. Da, 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 da. And that's what he remembered. It was silly lyrics. And you go and write real, real lyrics. So I yelled, sing anything. And I guess because of this almost being drafted experience and being frightened of the U.S. war and us being healthy Canadians and the Uncle Sam Wants You, that poster with the stars and striped hat and the Statue of Liberty, all this thing, out came the words, American woman, stay away from me. And he sang that four times. I soloed, he sang that same line four times. We're going to do the song again the next night. And he said, I wrote a couple of more lyrics. Can you want to hear them? I don't want your war machines. I don't want your ghetto scenes. Great, because we'd seen our first ghetto going down to Alabama and, and, and Kentucky and... Mississippi, these state, I mean, Winnipeg, there's no ghettos like down south. These poor people living in tin shacks and stuff, picking cotton and stuff. So the American woman is the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. Wasn't the woman on the street. Huh. But the guys at radio in the States, after these eyes laughing, she's coming done, no sugar tonight, no time, all these hits, they just played American Woman automatically, didn't realize it was kind of an anti-war protest song by four mm. Canadians that made it to number one. I thought it was such an unusual story to, to uh, improvise on, on stage live such a, a musical hit as American Woman. And it was probably more popular in the US than it was in Europe because I didn't hear of that version. Uh, well, the version I knew was the one from Lenny Kravitz that came out in 1998 uh, in uh, the album Five. So let's listen first to Lenny Kravitz and then we'll listen to the guest who.
series original.
I gotta say, having heard both uh, the original from the Guess Who and the Lenny Gravis version, I feel like Lenny Gravis, he brings uh, something a little bit more 90s to it, no doubt, but it's a very similar song, and uh, I gotta say, I prefer the original, even though I was introduced to this song by Lenny Kravitz. Now, we're going to uh, go to our next song, uh, the, the famous song from Natalia Ambroglia, Torn. Uh, that's the version that was number one all around the world, uh, but yet she didn't compose nor wrote the lyrics of that song. The person that should get the credit for the, the composition should be uh, Anne Preven and uh, her partner uh, at the time, Scott Coulter. Uh, they were in a band Edna Swap, a kind of a punk alternative rock band. Uh, they composed and wrote the song in 93. They didn't record it until 96 with their band. Uh, so then there is another band from Denmark uh, with the singer Lisa Sorensen that recorded in Danish in 93. So if you want to give the credit to who first released it, it was Lisa Sorensen. Uh, but it was still composed and written uh, by uh, Anne Breven and Scott Coulter. And the fact that they don't really ever get the credit for it leaves them a little bit frustrated. Let's listen to them on their radio show in the year 2000. You write this song Torn, and you sing it beautifully. I mean, like an angel, like with heart. I, I love the sadness. I love the, whole, I love the whole sound of it. It's a perfect song. And... It doesn't go anywhere. And then Natalie Imbruglio hears the song. It's a beautiful song. She's, I'll record it. Yeah. And it becomes a number one song. Yeah. The song that you're going to sing today. Yeah. So what happens? Now, How do, do you, you get, do you well, feel, do I'll you get you, angry? I'll tell you. In the beginning, it was definitely bizarre and a little bit depressing and sort of surreal. Right. To hear like my words coming out of somebody else's mouth and in like a setting that is not the way I would have done it. So let's compare the two songs, uh, the version of Natalia Ambroglia that came out in 97 and the version of uh, Edna Swap that came out in 1996. I thought I saw a man born to life. He was warm, he came around. He was dignified He showed me what it was to cry Well, you couldn't be that man I adore You don't seem to know, seem to care What your heart is for Well, I don't know him anymore There's nothing where he used to lie My conversation has one Dignified. 
until it's right I should have seen just what was there And not some holy light But you crawl beneath my veins now I don't care, I have no love I don't miss it all that much There's just so many things That I can't touch or torn I'm all out of faith This is how I feel I'm cold and I am shamed Now you make it on the floor You should never change Into something It's hard to say why the version of Edna Swap uh, did not get as much popularity as Natalia Broglia because I feel like it's a better song. Uh, but it could be marketing, it'd be a million things. Uh, we only have 10 minutes left and four songs to go, so uh, we're gonna go a bit faster. Now it's just a song uh, I, that surprised me the most probably uh, in this show. The song Girls Just Wanna Have Fun was not written nor composed uh, by Cindy Lauper, but by the American singer and songwriter uh, Robert Hazard. Uh, the two songs are released just four years apart. I think the original is from 79 and the version from Cindy Lauper came in her first studio album, a uh, solo studio album in 83. Let's listen to both those songs.
apologize for the quality of the version. I couldn't find any uh, better audio. Uh, that's why I cut it short. Usually I always leave the original uh, entire. Last song uh, of the show tonight, and uh, so last cover that sounds like an original. This is the, the great uh, song Somebody to Love by the Jefferson Airplane. And like the first episode of the show, it's on the technicality that uh, this uh, is not the original song because Grace Slick, the singer of Jefferson Airplane, uh, wrote and recorded that song with her um, original band, The Great Society, that she had with her uh, family members. It's not the only song that she recorded uh, from The Great Society with Jefferson Airplane. The song Right Rabbit have a similar story too. But I really love uh, both songs uh, and I want to thank uh, Axel, uh, my, my colleague, that uh, recommended that song to me uh, after hearing the last episode of the show. So if you want to do like Axel and you have uh, recommendations or input to my show, you're welcome to contact me on uh, Instagram. I'm at Aril Narbonne. There's also a Facebook page where all the episodes are posted and it's a forum where you can talk about the, the songs that you liked or the com recommendation you have. That uh, Facebook page will be linked in the description of the episode. And finally, there is also a Patreon uh, if you want to uh, help me pay for the rights of the song I use. Uh, all the money go to the artists uh, of the song I use in this show. So uh, there is a Patreon. You just type on the research bar of Patreon, Arild, A-R-I-L-D, and I'm the only creator, uh, and you'll recognize the title of the podcast flashback. Uh, so uh, until then I'll see you next month we have a special Beatles uh, episode uh, prepared with four originals from the Beatles and four covers from the Beatles I'll see you then and I'll leave you on uh, Jefferson Airplane and Grace Slick with The Great Society When the truth is found to be original.